Welcome to episode 106 of The Endless Stream. I'm Aiden, and this week I'm joined by Brian. We are two artists, illustrators, filmmakers, and all-round shit-talkers. And this week we are talking about uh, Annihilation, a film from a little while back. We're talking about Dungeons & Dragons. We're talking about Zelda. We're talking about Star Wars Visions. We're talking about The Mandalorian. We're talking about all the nerd stuff that's fit to talk about. We're talking about upcoming Marvel's trailer. Uh, The trailer looks fun. Uh, Brian disagrees. Um, we got a, a review in from Cat Friend, who's a long-time listener. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to the podcast, heading over to iTunes, Spotify, rating, reviewing, liking, subscribing, all of those good things really help us out. You can also hit Instagram at The Endless Cast, where we put up art and clips to go with each episode. That's a great place to reach out to us, suggest something for us to watch, disagree with our opinions, just engage us in conversation. You can also send us an email at theendlesscast at gmail.com. I'm still in Chicago, Kevin is still building his house, Brian is still looking after all of the dogs in Ireland, he had a lovely day yesterday, had a barbecue, we had uh, hamburgers and hot dogs, drank beers in the sun, it was great, the very next day it snowed and we had loads and loads of hamburger buns left over, we had an abundance of hamburgers. All of that being said, let's get into the episode. Good morning, Brian. Uh, Do you want to try that again? Good afternoon. That's better. Good morning. It is it's a bright and cheery morning here in Chicago. It's a Saturday. It's miserable today. Oh. It's disgusting. Oh. It's really nice on Thursday. Some lovely weather. Um, today, not so much. Oh. Today sucks. Shit. Hmm. We were going to go and do a thing... We're going to go see this, like, I don't know what it is. I haven't actually looked. Every description of it I get is weird. It's called The House at the Rock or The House on the Rock. It's in Wisconsin. It's like an hour and a half, two-hour drive out of here. Um, the way I've heard it described is it's a cross between, like, a Collier's Mansion and the Overlook Hotel. You know, that, or this is the sense I'm getting from, Fun. you know, like, it's a, like a hoarder's. This guy built a weird collection of, maybe it's like Bleak House. Like, I think... I'm I'm just picturing things based on what I've been told, you know. It's um a guy built a collection of weird shit in an old fucking house and it's supposed to be a, a, a bit of a trip. Um and it was supposed to be rainy as fuck today, so that was the plan. Um but then the, then this the forecast changed to thirty degree weather, so we decided less driving across country, more sitting in the garden with beers and a barbecue. So that's gonna be fun. Well is is that like ninety 90- Fahrenheit. Uh, 80. 90. Um, do you know? I very purposely kept it in European, because um, <laughs> I don't know the other. <laughs> Did Marla just growl? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was more of a grumble. Yeah, she's a. Uh, Eighty-six. Bit of a whinge sometimes. Eighty-six. That's pretty hot. Thirty degrees is my shutdown point in in Europe. Um, it's right. thir- 30 degrees is the point I noted when I was on holiday in Bordeaux and I just sat down under a tree. It was just, I was just like, yeah, it was just, just shutting down. I just could not walk any further. Um, you need to do some hot yoga classes. Oh, right. <laughs> Build up your, your tolerance. My heat tolerance. That's not a, yeah, don't that's be such not a, a terrible idea. It's not a terrible idea. It's a great idea. <laughs> And I need to walk more excessive distances. Um, I'm cycling a lot. 
it's fucking great. Um, it it is very fun to cycle on a bicycle that doesn't weigh a ton in okay. a city that is very flat. Um, so I'm just whipping around the city on this little orange fixie. Um, I had somebody uh, give me a, a little bike compliment as I was rounding the corner. Just like sweet bike, and I was like, "Thank you." Give him a little nod, like he was in his car leaning at the window. What um, was it? A sweet bike or was it sweet bike? No, 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 no. I choose to believe it's sincere. You sure? Yeah. I this bike nerd. No, I, I uh, shut your face, man. My bike is sweet. Um, no, it's an orange bike. It's cool. This week was really fun. I think um, this week was really fun. Um, it's the first week where I've got like the open mic thing kind of like really flowing. Um, I just Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, I'm not sure if there's one today. The weekend seems to be more paid events rather than open mics. Um, but you know, like I just hopped on the bike and four mile cycle off to the other side of the city and do me set, meet some people four miles back, cup of tea. Get up the next morning, gym, swan around, repeat. And uh, I, I see Chris bought some bourbon cream biscuits. I assume Chris bought some, or did you order some? Chris, Chris bought some back. He bought um, some back. Uh, so uh, I am, I am bourboned. Um, I will, I will uh, have them all eaten fairly quickly. Like Chris wasn't bringing an industrial quantity of bourbon biscuits back. He bought a couple packs, and yeah, I'm surprised they've lasted as long as they have. To be fair, it's been a week. Um, they are it, quite easy to go through. Yeah, yeah. No, you inhale those fuckers. Um, mm-hmm. How about you? How was your week? Played with puppies. It's been a long week. I was like, was that last week or this week? It was this week. Yeah, Played I saw some, some puppy puppies. videos going up. Yeah. Where did puppies. the Where does the litter of puppies come from? Are they Are they Was one of the dogs in the What would they, I call where you work? It's, is it a shelter? Is it a What would you call it? It's a charity or an NGO. Okay. It's okay. called Dogs for the Disabled. Okay. Um, they breed dogs as well. Okay, okay. So it's not so, like they brought in a litter from somewhere. They No. Okay. No. Um, even now, just this week, there's two brood mares, I guess you'd call them, except not a mare. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't call it a mare, really, would you? Just call it a brood. Wouldn't just be a brood? Not sure. Anyway, there's, there's two dogs that they have at the moment um that they are hoping will produce a litter probably this year so they had their checkup with the vet and one of them i think is good to go i don't know if i'm supposed to say any of this stuff but <laughs> well, that's, i'm sure it's I'm i don't sure think it's a problem a, they know they sure it's not a problem yeah no but they they breed the dogs themselves very um, good as far as i know they they would have like the stud from outside so it'd be you know, through whatever kind of network of contacts they have, they'd know somebody with uh, a dog kind of suitable. Um, so I don't think they have any studs themselves. They just have the, the female dog for brooding. Right. Breeding. Um, yep. So that's where the letters come from. Very good. If you want more information, ask your mother about how that works. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, there's, so there was, there was a litter born, I think it was back in late February. So they're only about, yeah, that'd be about right. I think they're eight weeks old now. So they've kind of come into where we are and they've got this um, little puppy thing set up 
where they can keep them separated until they're they'll be they'll be by themselves. Well, not by themselves, but they'll be kind of kept from the the dogs in training because they'd be much too old. Kind of yeah. Around. Yeah. Um. So I was doing a spot of babysitting on Wednesday. Aww. Wednesday. Wednesday. It was a Tuesday. I think Tuesday I, I started seeing the videos on Instagram. It was early, yeah. It's been a long week. It might have been Tuesday and Wednesday. I can't remember. This is all fascinating, I'm sure. Listen, <laughs> puppies, you know, like people like puppies and they're, they're visible you know on Instagram. better than talking about puppies is just like watching them, you know, um, talking about them. Not so much, probably. But that was that was probably the highlight of my week, I think, was playing with puppies. Joe Biden's been visiting the country. What's the, like, I don't get the news coverage or, like, I'm not watching RT News or, uh, like, what are the highlights God, of that? milked it for days. Well, when did, when did he leave? For days. I think he only left yesterday. Okay. Last night, I think. I'm definitely talking about it here. Late last night. Um, I think Rob Kearney might be a distant relative or something so i think on the first day he was here i guess i've i've only been picking it up and you know kind of by osmosis like a a radio in the background or you know Mm. just hearing people talking about stuff in in passing so i don't even know if i have this right um i think he's a distant relation to rob carney the rugby player okay and he made some reference to that and he talked about how i think if I've understood the story correctly, he mm. meant to say, you know, he beat the hell out of the All Blacks. Yeah. Have you heard this? Yeah, go on. You did? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, go on. He, he, say, he said instead that uh, he beat the hell out of the Black and Tans. Yeah. Um, which isn't like, you know. It's not a huge big gaffe. Really, really. No. Yeah, um, it's not really. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't enjoy history humor? Um, not my... Favorite. Really. Okay. So Eddie Izzard's out. He is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I like history. I like history and science. And I never history. said I don't like history. No, I know. I know. I know. But like history, don't put words humor. in my mouth. Don't put words in my mouth. All right. All right. How dare you? How dare you? Melanie's bit about the GPO was funny. That was good. Or, you know, the GPO and O'Connell Street. But that wasn't really a history joke, you know, so much as a an observation that we've got this historic location where something quite eventful happened. And, and you can see the remnants of what happened, you know, in the building. And then two doors down, there's a 24-hour casino. Is it 24-hour? I don't, I don't think so, but it's, it is yeah. definitely okay. shit. It's definitely not shit. Great. Who lets that happen? Oh, man, I don't know. Fucking Here's Bertie the street, the, the fucking... Charlie Hoy. It's long enough. The widest, presumably, widest yeah, that street was thing, in right? a built-up urban area in Dublin. In the country. In mm-hmm. the entire country, mm-hmm. probably. And like, yeah, let's put a fucking... Let's put shit a building box. full of slot machines. Yeah. And That's great. They've had... Um, They've had the building next to them vacant for 20 years with just a big tarp up that says Dr. Quirky's Dr. Quirky's Good Time Emporium. Was it fun time or good time? I think it's good time. Maybe I'm wrong. Good time. Um, I can't remember. Uh, I'm 
Yeah, I'm not a fan of the place. I do think like no, I do think they could do with uh, revitalizing those streets. How do you do that though? Like, because like I know Times Square, the legislation they brought in meant that you had to sell some percentage of like tourist goods. You had to be selling like tourist merchandise to bring people in, and it kind of changed the businesses that were in that area over time. Like they kind of drove out the. Um, like the sex shows and the slot show, uh, the peep shows and things like that, through kind of just forcing tourism into the space. Um, but what's resulted is a, as if I rem- like, I don't know Times Square all that well, but I feel like all the businesses in there is like the M M&M and M store and Apple stores, and it became massively commercial, um, or massively, uh, massively corporatized. So if we drove little weirdo dirtbag businesses out and tried to bring the quality of stuff there up how do we do that because like who who buys out dr quirky without having the money of you know it becoming an apple store or something well that's the thing i mean presumably it's it's that the the property the rental on the property is probably too high given the foot traffic so you know you probably can only have some large yeah which itself isn't bad you know yeah. i mean it's it's perpendicular to like the other main shopping street in the city so why not just let it yeah spill over I, and it doesn't have to take over 100 percent of it like if it was 50 percent of it then yeah. you know, people would be more inclined other businesses would be more inclined to kind of set up there because there's big old yeah. yeah, like, I mean, there's a few things on there where it's just like, okay, I mean, I guess the, uh, Cleary's reopened, I guess, which is not a not a not prestige thing. Like, is that the street where we should stick big fancy pants hotels? Like, if you put a couple of, like, fantastic hotels there, like real high end, whatever the fuck, with the shopping street right outside the door, and then like, okay, that's that, then let's let the rest of the city be a little more... You know, houses and businesses and little more like bars and stuff and like. I mean, if you want to put, I don't know, I don't know what I'm even trying to get at, but it's like because like me even suggesting that somebody stick hotels there, it's like it's not like they're going to go okay, and then we'll stop putting hotels in the rest of the part of the city where we're destroying sort of public spaces, um, or community spaces in favor of tourist destinations. Um, they would just do both. Just less casinos. Let's just start with that. Okay. Less casinos, less vacant properties. Yeah. All right. Have we, have we solved O'Connell Street? Um, I think so. Yeah, we figured it out. No, we well, fixed it. Uh, we were talking Biden there, I guess. The, I know he met. Um, he met Michael D, which of course he would. Um, Miggle D's dog barked at him. Miggle D's dog funny. barked at him. Yeah. Um, That's funny. This was the. This was the fun of the, I guess, the gig I did last night, which was the uh, it's a thing called Power Hour. We talked about it last week. It's in the basement of a VFW. It's a weird room. Everybody's talking to you. Everybody's kind of heckling you. Um, I had a handful of I had a handful of new ideas going into the place, and I was like, "What order will I do these things in?" And I had stuff I wasn't going to do, stuff that I had been talking about Ireland previously. Um, and I did record this you know, just for listening back, but, like, it went well, because every fucking thing they heckled me with, I had kind of, I was trying to start something else, and they went, I love your Prime Minister's dog, and I'm like, okay, he got President wrong, but, 
Um, I've got the bit about the dog and I've got the little bit about talking about Michael D. Higgins explaining, you know, and then they were like, oh, well, what is it? What's the temperature like in fucking Ireland now? Or like, and I had the whole bit about us tolerating heat. Like, it, it just went well for me. Um, I don't know that it would next week, but um, it was a good chat, you know. Um, I went from being a complete stranger to somebody who had kind of quick answers to questions. And it was fun. It was very fun. Um, I'm having fun, Brian. Fun is fun. Fun is fun. Fun is fun. I did a, a street art walking tour yesterday. We walked around probably about two miles around Chicago looking at the various sort of uh, murals and uh, throw-ups and tags and and street art stuff that has been placed around the city and that's um if anybody's in Chicago I guess this is this is what they're after offbeat street art tour um great fun um very informative about the history of the city and the point of public art um he talked about the sort of um he broke it into four categories. I've never really thought this much about street art, but it was interesting having like somebody kind of academically lecture on it, you know, because we sat in a cafe at the start for 20 minutes and he just went through some points of history of like, you know, there's there's tags which are inside of two minutes. There's uh, like uh, spontaneous sort of public street art that people put up themselves. There's uh, community, like uh, what's the word, like commercially or community organized street art. Um, like he, he broke it into four categories I can't remember all of them but like it was good then walking around the city and, and seeing these spaces that like there's a beautiful one of of um, Robin Williams um, I think I might have put a picture I think yeah I think I saw a picture of that, yeah. it's, it's gorgeous it's done between two artists and he was talking about the you know the how something gets put up on a wall and it doesn't immediately get defaced by local artists, you know, like, so something like that being a case of, like, Williams had such a tie to Chicago and it has a an underlying theme on mental health and, you know, there's a little, there is a bit of a, a sort of code of respect and, you know, some younger heads will, of course, book the rules or book the sort of traditions a little bit, like, one person, I think, has thrown their name up on that Robin Williams thing. Um near the cafe where we started there was a um uh an alleyway and it's like you're walking straight out of a cafe with a stranger down an alley so it's like well this is safe um but it is of course it was it was beautiful um after the trump election two artists um i don't know if it expanded bef- but beyond these two but he pointed out it's being these two on this alley anyway um and the hashtag was hashtag paint love across america i think and one guy asked them to come and do a piece on his garage door of like uh, his favorite musician and like there's text and muraling in it. And then the neighbors kind of all got in on it. So this alleyway has five, six pieces by the same two artists. Cool. And they then did like a massive mural, the side of a, a wall that was like musicians associated with the area. Um. And there's like a recording studio in one of the buildings, so they were up for it. And the last thing he showed us was this sort of group wall where the two artists did like a central piece and one of them did like um, like a wild style bubble writing stuff of his, you know, his tag or whatever. Um, but the 
idea he said with it is that you know these are two new york guys or two new york people coming in and just taking up a massive amount of like art real estate in chicago and um what they did was they just invited other artists to come along and like collab on one wall together and that was you know involving the locals explaining what was happening so then if like other people come along and see these new york artists have done like this whole alley they'll also see oh no they did this collab piece together so there was some degree of like consent or collaboration with local people so it wasn't just strangers came in and took up the joint so even having this piece here was about signposting it's okay for us to have done this you know don't come in and just wreck our shit just because we're from new york just because we're outsiders that's it yeah um he talked very much about the fact that like there's this uh it was an abandoned rail line called the 606 and it was just like overgrown and stuff and like uh, certain sections of it, the community would tidy it up themselves and make it sort of a public space. But eventually, the uh, the local government figured out that this was a decent, this was a good plan. So they just sort of redeveloped the whole thing and made it a, a walking and cycling trail. But it it suddenly was this like real local amenity, and it drove housing prices up around the area so it drove a lot of people out at the same time so there's a real uh, uh gentrification thing happening since they did that in 2017 plus the pandemic causing confusion and chaos and so it was it was really interesting because he was talking about that street art thing definitely ties into like economic development of an area as well you know like the people that put this art in the wall sometimes now can't afford to live in the area that they did it ron williams thing was cool big old piece of quincy jones on one of the buildings which is great it looks amazing um Apparently, it's it's right by the Blue Line train. Apparently, you can find a video of like, um, the drivers were just slowing down while the guy was working to just watch what was happening. Um, though it was like causing delays in the train system as they were putting it up. Um, Chris said he put is it kind of a portrait style or is it a bit more? It's very portrait style. It's very uh, yeah. very. Um, very high fidelity there's there's a lot of like texture in the pores and everything like it's it's really great um i'll see if i can send you on a picture um that that concept of like the trains stopping was um fucking hilarious to me but chris was telling me that when they lived in their old gaff like earlier i don't know two years ago they were doing a barbecue outside in the garden and the train just stopped on the rail above them and went what you grilling <laughs> and they had a chat and putting any rubs on it what's <laughs> I just love the idea you know what you know when the dart stops in Dublin and you're like why are we sitting between like I guess imagine the driver leaning out the window just talking to somebody in their back garden just going oh yeah that looks yeah. good good work um so that was great that was one of Kat's suggestions um Kat who's with us the last 10 days um she's uh She's leaving Monday, but like, um, it uh, it was a great suggestion. It was really good fun. Um, it was really starting to get sunny, um, but it wasn't unbearable. <laughs> Hot yoga class is required. Um, you should have that Quincy image in your WhatsApp. Yep, it's cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, so that went up during the whole um, twenty twenty summer twenty twenty. Brianna Taylor. Uh, uh, George George Floyd, um, 
stuff. Um, it's it's a lovely picture. Lovely, lo- lovely work. Chicago's cool, guys. Um, I'm going to be here a while longer. I'm going to keep talking about it. Shut up. Um, I saw... I think it was Neil Brennan talking to Nick Kroll. Oh yeah, I was actually just listening to that. Yeah, and he, I, I couldn't, I couldn't really, I couldn't really tell where they were kind of like just riffing on something that actually happened, or just making something up entirely for, you know, it was a bit. But I can't even remember now. Uh, I think he was saying that he appeared on a talk show with Rashida Jones, and Rashida Jones had like a Teddy Rock spin. With a message recorded from Quincy Jones, right? But then they were—I'm sure this bit is then not true, or maybe it is. I don't know. But Quincy Jones said something to the, or he recorded something, and they had like the Teddy Ruxpin bear say it. It was something to the effect of, "May your dreams soar as high as giraffe vagina," or something like that. Something along those lines, right? But. I just remembered it because I didn't watch it that long ago and it was Quincy Jones and we're talking about Quincy Jones now and I probably won't be able to think of Quincy Jones without High as giraffe pussy. Yeah. (laughs) If he even did say it. I can imagine him saying it. Yeah. Why not? Have you seen the documentary about him? No. It was a Netflix documentary. When did that go up? Uh, God, it was a couple of years ago now. It's very yeah. good. Um, I think it was just called Quincy, maybe. Okay. It's very um, good. I did get to see... Uh, we went to see Dungeons & Dragons on Monday night, I think. Um, you've seen it. How much did that cost you? <laughs> um, do you know what? Like, The ticket was probably about 20 bucks, okay. And I think I'd pay 18 Nineteen dollars in Dublin for the IMAX or something. By the time I'm, whatever, I bought food for myself Probably. and Chris. That was about forty dollars. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I gotta stop complaining about the cost and just keep enjoying stuff. Um, because what I'm did you ha- think of the fun? I really enjoyed it. I really did enjoy it, and it's funny because we were there with Cat, and she, no, Cat went to something else because. Like it was very funny leaving it because it was me, Chris, and Chris's D and D crew. Okay, uh, and so that, there was a it was a group, you know, visit. Um, and Kat went to see Paint, the Owen Wilson thing. Ah, uh, yes. Um, now she said it was terrible. Mm, doesn't look great. But she also, as we were walking out, said that she thought that Dungeons and Dragons was terrible. The script was bad. There was no. Uh, uh, no chemistry between the cast. Uh, there wasn't enough diversity in the monsters and creatures. Um, so uh, I think she might be out of her head. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> I enjoyed the uh, chemistry between the cast. I thought the script was fun and I loved the diversity in all the animals and the creatures. I was watching the escape sequence you were talking about where the shapeshifter is shifting between mm-hmm. all these forms. And I was watching it going like... It wasn't until we were sort of 20 seconds into it, I went, oh, this is the bit Brian was talking about. And I was like, actually, I'm really enjoying this. Like, I know what he's saying in terms of it being like too much like single yeah. single movement camera stuff. Like, I remember when I saw um, uh, Fight Club doing that sort of like continuous camera movement stuff, um, Fincher. Um, 
and I was like, oh, this was this was revolutionary at the time, but it's definitely overplayed now, and, you know, it, it does get exhausting, but I was watching this escape going, oh, this is really fun, I am enjoying this, and, like, it's not as bad as Brian said, and then she turned into the deer, and I was like, oh, yeah, they used all the money on the mouse, the deer is... Mm. And, like, I, I don't have a problem with, like, a long take in theory, mm-hmm. just sometimes it's nowhere near as exciting as whoever is calling the shots yeah. thinks it is, you know? Because yeah. there's very often, like, a, there's it's very often I'll watch a film and I wish a shot was just a little bit longer, but I mm. get why they cut it, you know, for the sake of rhythm and pacing and all that, but sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish I held a little bit longer there because it looks great. Yeah. Um, and then there's, you know, this, especially with a CGI shot where it's a long take and it's just, it doesn't serve, Yeah, it doesn't serve it as well as you maybe think, but I don't have a problem with it necessarily. But then, yeah, it, she turns into a deer and it's like, okay, now, oh, nope, 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 cut away, cut to, cut to <laughs> deer doesn't look else. good, the deer just doesn't cut look to good. anything else. And just, especially at that point in the chase, if she had been like, if she was somehow restricted, if she didn't get enough time or to get the moments, if they had people swinging axes at her and it was her, and I felt the urgency and of like, like if I'm able to reconnect with a human being, at that point, a human, I guess, analog, if she's not meant to be human. Um, like, I would have felt more, you know, jeopardy for her, you know, until she finally gets space to turn into a deer and book off. And that's like a moment, you know, where it's just like she finally gets a window and they think they've killed her and then the deer boosts out the door. And it's like, that would have been, you know, like I would have liked that chase to have escalated to the point where she wasn't getting the opportunity to change. Yeah. Um, and and the thing, like there, there wasn't enough at the start when she changes. There's some good ideas, like where she's in the the suit of armor. You know, she's like there. There's a there's a rhythm to that. You know, she's a small mouse turns into human sized. Then she's running, and then there's there's a change, and there's you know there's it's punctuated by different moments. But there's a point then where it's just like it's I guess there's no choreography there. Or at least no interesting choreography. It's obviously storyboarded because it has to be, but there's no. It's not punctuated in a in a kind of a. Oh, I don't, not that they've run out of ideas, but it's just why is this shot still going on like this? It needs another element. It needs it needs something else to change it up. Like you said, you know, back into human form for a bit and then back. But and it's not it's not terrible. It was just it was just stuck out because I was watching it. No, if it, it was in. It stuck uh, if it was in a five-minute short, else, that shot is yeah. terrible. If it was in a five-minute short in, you know, Love, Death, and Robots or something, mm. it's fine. Yeah. If the whole thing is animated and then that's in there, but when it's in the middle of a live-action film, and and it's not that it's, the CGI is bad; it's just that it's not kind of on this. It's just it's it's just very apparent when it's cutting from CGI mm-hmm. to live action, and then yeah. when you've got an extended sequence like that, it just I don't hate it, but I, I'm always kind of watching that kind of thing going, just waiting for it to to move on to the next part, you know, because yeah. there's not enough visual ideas kind of going on yeah. Yeah. to warrant doing an extended kind of camera move like that. Yeah, well, I think by the time she's the mouse and she gets to the window and she's out as the bird and you think, oh, she's safe. And then the arrows start flying. You're like, oh, cool. There's still jeopardy. And then she lands in the town, turns back to human form. It's like, great, I can reconnect with this character. Yep. And then looks at the people on the horses, comes back and she's one of the weird birds 
And it's like, I, I really would have just liked to have followed her for a bit and like, yeah. okay, then given chase. And cause she's really like, she is, um, she's a very empathetic and endearing character and you liked her and to see her in jeopardy would engage you, I guess, you know? Um, and have you watched, um, what was it called? I'm not okay with this. Is that what it's called? I can double check the name of that. That's Netflix show. It only got one season. I do remember that. Yeah, was she the that? Uh, I think she was the main character in that. Okay, she gets superpowers or something. Uh, she gets, uh, yeah, she gets like telekinetic powers. Um, is I'm assuming that's the same actress because it looks. Yeah, it's her. Yeah, cool. Sophia Lillis. She's she was great. great. She's great. Um, I really like. She's written Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Um, I liked. I I was so glad how they used Hugh Grant. Um, I thought he was just going to because, like in the trailers, you just see him as this lord of the place, and I just thought he was going to be this like almost answer. You know, you know the way you know the yeah. way Jeff Goldblum is in uh, yeah. Ragnarok. You know, you just arrive yeah. and he's this kind of weirdo character. It was like that's going to have. I don't know, that's going to have diminishing returns, you know, you're just going to be like, oh, it'd be kind of funny for a minute, but then he's just this sort of weirdo lord. But given that he was so tied to them and he had been this rogue and this con man, he got to be a lot of fun is basically what I'm saying. He didn't, he wasn't just this like, like two-dimensional asshat, you know, he was a complete asshat, you know, a (laughs) three-dimensional asshat. The Red Witch was great. Like, it looked like an Olsen, looked like Elizabeth Olsen with a hood on. I um, to actually to be honest, when I first saw that Sophia Lillis was in it, mm, I thought it was her as well. Right, it looks like her with like really heavy, like Daisy eyeshadow. Headley or something. Um, Not sure. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, she was great. Also, um, Chris Pine Spooky. was really good. I Michelle Rodriguez, um, uh, her husband Bridgerton was great. I don't know his name. Uh, the dude from Bridgerton. Oh, uh, Rene Jean Page. Is that not the other way around? Jen, John no, Rennie Page? I don't know. John Page Rennie? Know. I thought it was Rene Jean Page. I don't know. I actually um, don't know. He was very he good, was yeah. He's he great, was, though. Yeah. yeah, and again, I was like, I was unsure um, how they were going to use him. Oh, Reggie Jean Page, yeah. Did I say Rene? Yeah. Um, Reggie Jean Page. Um, he was very good, and um, it was great to see him fight. Um. Like, he did action well, I guess. You know, there's a lot of CG and stuff in there as well. But, like, when they let him let loose, it was good fun. All of the side quests, all of the mini adventures that it really was, you know, like going to the graveyard, fighting the dragon, heading to the whatever. Like, there was so much content in it that, like... I thought that final heist was, I think I said when I first talked about it, it was all kind of straightforward enough. Mm -hmm. But then that final heist is where it kind of flipped because you know it kept going wrong and it kept kind of improvising it and that's where it kind of turned a bit on its head and i think that elevated it just another step then as well above kind of being a a very middle of the road thing you know, mm-hmm. it did unexpected stuff there with yeah. the with the the painting and the portal it's, it's all good stuff yeah good and stuff. the 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 helm of reckoning or whatever jonathan the Birdman, like i <laughs> <laughs> um, I was really, really pleasantly surprised is basically what I'm getting at. Um, I thought it was going to be... I thought it might be fun because I liked the trailer. Mm-hmm. I liked the cast and it looked like they did it right. 
I was really happy with how much I enjoyed it. And yep. again, six people walked out of there going, that was great, that was so much fun. Look at all the mini adventures, the mirror stuff was fun, the little mechanics they were playing with. Um, they set up the the bridge with this weird complex puzzle that you have to get across and then somebody just fucks it up immediately, which is pure d d where a dungeon yeah, master I saw a few puts together a plan. Kind of talking about that, that and one player, a lot of kind of meta stuff in there where the players just make a miss. And just yeah. even the fact that they, they get the stick is very much somebody kind of pointed out that it's very much like a, a DM saying, "Okay, you know the thing you got earlier that that's uh, that's that does this now that's just out of jail free yeah. card." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I like. I think somebody literally says "nice save" at one point, like saving roll type of thing. Okay, um, it it was good fun. I do see what you're saying in terms of like I could see at any moment us doing like a fourth wall break and they're all to, sitting yeah. behind a table. Going, what the fuck yeah. are you doing? Um. I'm glad it didn't. But so, that it kind of felt like that. Yeah. Um, uh, the the relationship between Chris Pine and his wife and his daughter and his motivations was very nice as well. Like, there's that line where he's like, because she was an infant and didn't really remember her mother. Olga was the one that raised. Olga was the one that raised her. Um, so him going, I told you I was going to get your mother back, but really I was going to get my wife. Because mm-hmm. you never knew. Like, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's a weird distinction. But one is coming from a slightly more selfish place from the perspective of the child. Um, so, I don't know, maybe I'm giving... Maybe I'm giving Dungeons & Dragons more credit than it should, given Kat's review, which was just like six of us walking out going, this is amazing, and her I, walking I, out going, I'm yeah, taking crazy I, pills. I could, was- <laughs> I could see both... Like, I could see both sides of that, you know? Sure. I, could, I could see why somebody wouldn't like it you know because mm-hmm. it, it kind of it did feel a bit to me that it was not really fantastical enough you know like i think i said as well that it, it was very much like uh it was, it was kind of standard fair dressed up as a medieval fantasy in some places but what would you say is you know, what 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 would be the fantastical like when you say it's not fantastical enough, or, or could be said to be not fantastical enough, what? It, what do we just, just that? Just, just not that it's missing it. It just that it feels like it's. Uh, it feels like a kind of a standard fair thing, dressed up as you know, kind of cosplaying as. It has all those things, but they don't feel. That's kind of like what I was saying. Is that if it at any point cut away to a group of people sitting around the table, mm. I think it would have. It wouldn't have been surprised because as opposed to feeling something like a Game of Thrones where it feels like it the it's kind of grounded in that world and it feels kind of real, this felt more like something playing at being that thing. And I don't really necessarily mean it as a criticism, but just that I had those elements in there, but they, they just kind of felt a bit more like a set dressing as opposed to getting a sense that it's a real kind of context or world, you know? Right. Okay. I kind of get Not you. really as a criticism, just that I, th- I think so many I do kind of get you, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I watched this week, oh Christ, I'm banging this microphone. I'm still, le- I'm still learning my layout here. Um, the other thing I watched this week is I saw Shazam! Fury of the Gods, and I had a lot of fun with it in many, many places. And especially towards the end, I went, what the fuck is going on? This is taking a fucking jump off a cliff. Um, 
um, when it was doing its thing, I was like, these characters are endearing. These are fun. Um, I didn't think Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu were amazing, but um, just because it, they were very, they were very, I guess, felt like very static characters, um, you know, dressed up in, you know, again, you, you, you start seeing the templates within the universe where it's like the costumer, you know, takes a Wonder Woman boot because that worked. And, mm-hmm. you know, uses the same pattern. And it's like, this is me being really picky. But, like, you know, Helen Mirren, they just sit her on a dragon for a good chunk of it because, you know, yeah. it's a sitting position. Same thing with Lucy Liu. You know, it's like, there's no necessarily... Like, it's not like she's not doing Shanghai Noon Kung Fu this time, you know. It's 25 years later. Um, but, you know, they were she fine. Shanghai Noon? Yeah. She's the one that Jackie Lee's... Jackie Lee? Jackie Chan's rescuing. The princess. Is she? Yep. A hundred percent, dude. I'm not wrong on this one. <laughs> I just don't remember her in it. Okay. The only reason I'm hesitating is I'm thinking of Shanghai Noon versus Shanghai Nights. Um, and I'm going, am I mixing this up with Rush Hour? No, it's a it's hundred percent. She is the princess that he is sent to America to rescue. Are you looking that up or are you just sitting quietly? No. Okay, okay. Um, I'm just looking at his hands working. Um, and look at him now. <laughs> um, there's a... The wizard should not be brought back. I like Jimon Huntsu, but, like, it, it undermined what came before. Um, to just have him be like, oh, yeah, I turned to Ash and forget, for, forwent death in favor of sitting in some... Other dimensional prison, it, yeah. Um, the ending it took a steep dive off a cliff for me because I got got to a point where it's like this is clearly the ending, and then I realized there's forty minutes left of it. It's like how the fuck are they going to string this out over forty minutes? Um, there's this moment on a rooftop where Billy has an emotional moment because everybody's been stripped of their powers and his adopted mother's there and he calls her mom for the first time and she says go kick this guy's ass or go kick their ass and and he flies off and there's a lot of flying around for 10 minutes and then they meet back up in another situation and they basically do the same scene again and i'm like why the fuck is this happening um because they'd reduced the battlefield into like a little like force fieldy area so he's at a barrier saying goodbye and it's like we just did this we just did this we just did this 10 minutes ago and then rather than turning around and flying to you know the enemy that he's supposed to be facing at the end of it he then walks and it's like wait hold on you just flew down to there to chat to them to fly back up why are you now walking through a fucking baseball field you know i don't know what would you call them the fucking you know you're walking out the tunnel of a baseball because it takes place in a baseball field um there's a a scene then there's a scene then where it's very much the end of the movie uh, with the wizard and the wizard's got his staff and it's a, you know, I think that's as, enough uh, I need to say there. There's, But the wizard is there and there's a whole sequence and it's very much the end and then it cuts back to their house and their domestic living and they're all sitting around the table and, you know, they're like, hey, we're so happy we it all worked out and then there's a knock at the door and it's the wizard and it's Jimon Huntsu and he's got a hat and he's shaved his beard and he's all kind of like styled up now and he's like, I have to go out and see the world for the first time in 2000 years. And it's like, I just came to get my staff. And it's like, we just saw you in the last scene holding your staff. So it's it just feels like they shot a whole whack of different scenes and it's like we'll figure out an ending 
with from this jigsaw puzzle later. And then there's a post credit scene where Harcourt and um, uh, oh the guy in the computer who played the King Shark as well. Um, oh yeah, Ag Steve Ag. Uh, yep. Harcourt and Steve Agee, I can't remember Harcourt's name, real name, um, from Peacemaker. So you get to your post credit scene and it's the two of them walking up a sort of dirt road going, why are we so far away from everything? I don't know, but this guy's as powerful as it come, but he's pretty whatever. And Waller wants her for the team. And you're like, okay, who's this going to be? And it's it's Billy Batson, it's Shazam. And it's like, he's just standing in the rural area, like shooting cans with lightning bolts going, pachoo, pachoo, pachoo. And it's like, this isn't a... This isn't a fun scene in any way. Like we, that should have been a character we've never seen before. Or you do like the the way those stings worked when Nick Fury showed up was it's Tony Stark coming home and there's a stranger in his gaff and the reveal is here's Nick Fury. You know if they want us to be excited about him getting dragged into a team, which we won't be anyway because we've fucking twenty years into this shit. You see him fucking doing his laundry as Billy. Forget fucking. Um, that should have been it. Like, he's he's going to school as Billy. It's him in the boy form. The secret identity is exposed. And somebody says, hey, Amanda Waller wants a word with you. And you turn around and it's Harcourt. And the reveal is, you know, the extended universe, you know? The, not. Not in the reverse. Not in yeah. the reverse. The reveal should be these people coming to him. They know his secret identity. Him, yeah. They come to the kid. Not, let's start on these two people. Because you've just blown the reveal. Yeah. Um. So... I don't know what my I, I don't know what I'm getting at. Ultimately, I had a, I had a lot of fun in many places um, with it, but there is just some weird, stupid shit happened towards the end of it, which probably is accurate to the whole production process of Black Adam and Shazam. Um, oh, there's a whole fucking running thing about what's my superhero name, and eventually that scene at the end goes. She asks the wizard, "Hey, what's my superhero name?" And he pauses and goes, "Why it's Shazam?" And they all go, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." And it's like. The fuck are we doing this? It's, why the fuck are we doing this? Especially, like, they're playing with the name throughout it. Somebody calls him Low Voltage. Somebody calls him Thundercrack. And then they have the guy that played Billy Batson in the 60s. This is a sequel called Shazam. <sighs> yeah. So, you know, if there was a time to do that, it was in the first yeah. film. Not when you released this, another one. <laughs> yeah. Um. They have the kid that plays... I say they have the kid. They have the 70-year-old man who played Billy Batson in the 60s as a bystander at one point. And he's wearing the red shirt with the yellow cuffs and the yellow band, which looks so ludicrously out of place, especially on a man of his age. Um, And he goes, you go get him, Captain Marvel. And he, like, mumbles that. Because they, I, 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 it's like the, I think he says Captain Arvel. Because they can't, they lost Captain Marvel, right? That's why he switched to Shazam. Did they lose it though? I think they lost it, or at the very least, there's an agreement yeah. in place. Because I remember when they fully committed to rebranding during the New Fifty Two Comics event a decade ago. They, you know, they they put his hood up and tried to make him more grim, and they committed to calling him Shazam rather than calling him Captain Marvel. So again, the kid that played Captain Marvel in the '60s with them. Um, Oh, um, the guy that played Marvel at that point was a guy called it's Barry Bostwick's dad. I can't remember if it's Richard Bostwick or Larry Bostwick. It's a different name. I can't remember the first name. Um, 
Barry Bostwick from uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show and Spin City fame and many other things. Um, it's just I had another I had another thought there on it, but I've I've kind of lost it. Um, it's fun in many places. It's ropey in in many places, but it's just a, a muddled production, I guess, all round. Oh, there's a thing that um, there's a thing that Michael Bay does. And Joss Whedon did it in Avengers as well, where, like, some... Uh, it's a featured extra, basically. So, like, when you think of the waitress in uh, Avengers, where we spend way too much time watching this person react to things, and it's like, why have we got this? Or, or Transformers. Anytime there's a big visual effect, we've got somebody who's just, like... before, Like, just looking around before they go running. The waitress in Avengers was supposed to have a bigger part. Yes, I have seen that deleted scene where she had a bigger part. She was a child actress in something can't remember yeah i i i think she's in um and she's ellie in the last of us that's what i was going to say yeah and she's ellie's mother in the last of us the tv show um and she's in one of those D D shows I know that. she's in one of those D D shows i think yes. as well um critical role yes um but there's about three sequences maybe four sequences in this where we watch some random person just react to a lot of CG stuff before running away and getting rescued. Usually a lady with boobs and Michael Bay's stuff. Yeah, it, it, to be fair, like it's not it's, it's not in this, to be fair. Um, yeah, I mean, Michael Bay's bringing the, like, fucking 80s advertising concepts <laughs> to it, like lots of slow angles. And it has served him very well. Indeed. Um, but it's it just grinding these scenes to a halt, to my mind. Um, trying to run through what else. Uh, I watched Annihilation last night. I haven't seen that in ages. That's a fucking oh, cool. That's a cool film. Um, I just got back from the gig and Chris was putting it on, and it's um, I'd forgotten a load of it, but it's so atmospheric. Have you and watched visually interesting? Have you watched Men? I haven't. No. Is that the same? Is that Alex Garland? Scarland as well, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, are, men, are men great? Is it really positive about us? No. No. <laughs> no. 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 What's, um, what's, what's Alex Garland trying to say? didn't like it. Um, I liked it. Okay. Same thing with Annihilation, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoyed it. Have you watched Devs yet? No. No, no of course you haven't. No, I haven't. And I haven't watched Ex Machina. Um yeah, I got gaps. I think I think Devs might be my favorite thing that he's done. Um, yeah, Devs is fantastic. Okay, watch Devs. Okay. I will. I will. I will try. I will try. I will try. No, you won't. You won't. You I will. Won't I will try. I will. Aww, it's been a year. It's been. It's been two it's, years or something. It's been a while. <laughs> it's um, been a while. It's been a while. Look, I, I'll get to the Sopranos and then I'll. No, skip the Sopranos. Skip Just the Sopranos. The okay. Um, skip the Sopranos. Yeah, I I enjoyed watching Annihilation again. The the Scare Bear. I didn't realize it was Tessa Thompson. Like she's come a long way since Annihilation, I guess. And she's also. It took me a minute to figure out. Like she's definitely playing a much more timid kind of character than we're used to seeing her now as you know Valkyrie and like kind of big, much more bombastic roles. I guess like when you think of her in. 
she gives shit a lot of attitude these days, and she's like shot from low angles to make her look sort of empowered. empowered you probably haven't watched powerful. her in Westworld, though, have you? I watched the first season of Westworld. Because she's she's pretty okay. pretty feisty in Westworld. <laughs> but, but but what I'm not what I'm saying is, uh, what I'm saying is, uh, annihilation. She's so timid by comparison, and she's shot as so small compared to Jennifer Jason Lee and Gina Rodriguez, who I forgot was Jane the Virgin. So it's interesting seeing the sort of development of some, you know, looking at somebody and going, oh yeah, you were like up and coming then and now you've up and come. Um, the Scare Bear is still scary. It's great. The the visual stuff, it's the stuff. hybridization or the refraction of the, the music genetic is patterns great. is cool. The music is great. Um, great. If you've not watched Annihilation, folks, go watch Annihilation. It's And devs. And devs, yeah. Like it's it's not a big... It's not aliens. I guess it's clear. It's worth making that distinction. You know, it's not a big action movie, um, but it's a it's a creepy exploration of a. It's better than aliens. It's a it's a it's a how would you describe it? It's creepy exploration of a extraterrestrial event. Kind of a weird science kind of thing. Yeah, it's got like you could look at it and go like it's got very um, video gamey structure. You know, like they're sent into a, a world with limited information and they're piecing it together as they go and garland is a video game fan yeah as far as I know. yeah um oscar isaac natalie portman jennifer jason lee tessa thompson gina rodriguez uh i don't know who else i'm missing um there's definitely one other person on that team whose name i can't remember um so no, there's only there's natalie portman yeah. tessa thompson yeah gina rodriguez yeah jennifer jason lee that's it on the team no Cass is the, Shepherd is the first person that gets killed, and I can't remember who that person was, that actor. The, the Shepherd is the first person that gets eaten by the scare bear. Spoilers. I can't remember. Uh, then I don't she, remember anybody else in it. Because then Gina Rodriguez's character freaks out and ties Tessa Thompson, Natalie Portman, and Jennifer Jason Lee to chairs. Spoilers. 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 Hmm. Um... Who else is in that? Let's see. It's just the fourth member of the team we're missing. Apologies, fourth member. Uh, I think it's the lady. F- well, the thing is, I don't remember, but I'm seeing here uh, there's a woman who is in devs, so it's probably her. Yeah, the character's name is Shepard. Okay, it's not her. <laughs> oh, I do not remember that person. All right, so I think there is an actress. Yeah, the, the main actress in devs has a smaller part in Annihilation. That's not who you're thinking of. Who you're thinking of is Tuva Novotny, who I do not remember at all. But I've only seen the film once, probably. So that's nothing. It's not a commentary on mm, her on or anything. I just don't remember. Ah, uh, look, not important. <laughs> um no, not that her career isn't important or or, or uh, representing. No, her I mean you said it now and you can't take it back. It's out there. It's it's just more evidence of your, you know My what? Rampant misogyny. Just speaking of the Marvels looks rubbish. <laughs> I saw I think it was Rolling Stone a headline just saying like if you don't like the film just come out and admit it that you don't like women and 
Normally I'd be right with them, but this just doesn't look good. And it's not because of who's in it, it's because I think it doesn't look good. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm just But that's watching. not to say that, I mean, there, there is... There's a weird amount of hate for Brie Larson online. It's... It's weird. You think it looks bad? Yeah. I think it was a weak trailer. Yeah. I was having... Um, I don't know. Whether it looks bad or not, I guess that's still up in the air. I think it was a very weak trailer. Mm. Um, yeah, I didn't get a lot out of the trailer. Um, I... I did enjoy it. I was still kind of hopeful. Like, I like Brie Larson. Okay. I like her. I liked the redesign. I mean, you can go back and listen to when we were watching Miss Marvel on Disney Plus. The like, the redesign of her costume was like a big plus for me. I really That's liked great. how they changed it. I just saw the somebody took some screenshots of the movie trailer, and it, it looks like they swap again. Now I'm gonna I'll send them to you on WhatsApp. Um, you tell me if this is real, because I just saw it last night before I went to bed. So maybe there's a chance this is some dog shit fan draw over but i was like these are horrible why are we doing this is this the stuff that's in the trailer or did fans do this or something because i don't like it i don't know i haven't watched it enough i mean we could very quickly just watch it now and find out yeah have a look well i mean like even before looking at it like that what costume on on brie that i could see that working in the film but what they had was great and i don't know why they would change that yeah, no, that is real. It's a shot of the three of them. And like, like, it's a shot in particular from the trailer that I thought looked pretty bad uh, at the start where she just like crash lands on some moon and then like three people run up to her. Mm. And it just looks... I'll, I'll screenshot that one first. Mm. Um, that was the first thing watching the trailer. It's about... It is about 40 seconds in and I just kind of went, oh my God, this is, looks like dog shit. One second. It's, it's mad. It's, I don't know. I don't know, man. Sometimes they just nail it and then sometimes they go, let's just change things for the sake of changing things. Like that, that first shot, when I was watching the trailer the first time and I saw that, I was like, what, how did this make it into anything and then why put it in the trailer i've sent you the shot there of the costumes it's real and yeah it looks it looks fucking dreadful but like i've, I've heard the plot synopsis kind of for this or not even synopsis like really you got a good overlay or a good outline what happens and it's just like it just sounds bad anyway you're kind of holding out to see it's like okay maybe the director can kind of if they can inject enough personality and their own kind of style into it maybe that will work but no oh i've heard people say it doesn't really work and looking at this it's like i can't see it working especially well like given i get it on one sense because there's such a backlash against larson it's very much giving the finger to those people in terms of what they've done with it but at the same time it's like if you don't pull it off you don't just lose I mean you've never you've already lost the people who don't like Larson anyway but you've also lost the people in the middle 
you know um there's a musical number on one of the planets they go to because uh, everybody in the planet sings so all the dialogue in that scene is sang so i'm so unhappy by that i'm so yeah. unhappy there's a musical number you can, you can see it in the trailer you can guess kind of where it is and it's just like awful idea unless unless you're really like a director with a real personality and style it's just like who's no. the director she's not done much she's only uh, done like i think Candyman. okay the remake and like that was good yeah but, yeah no i remember um, that director yeah um, i think it's her nia da costa i think her name yeah, is. yeah yeah um yeah. Um, I mean, look, I don't. I, I know that that's the director. I don't know if that's the director of this, but um, James Gunn made a thing about the fact that he always has m- musical numbers in his movies. Like he yeah. like he likes putting that in there. Like at the very least, dancing. You know, when you think of the opening of Guardians, he gets dancing in. Um, and okay, that's a thing we've come to expect from James Gunn. Just. Out of the blue, and I, I don't think he pulls Captain it off. Marvel the thing as well. I think it's very, I think it's contrived when he does it. I don't think it's uh, like I said. It, there's there's a director with a personality and a style, and then there's a director trying to give the impression that they have that. You know, okay. um, I, I I enjoy it, and I I do think that like like I don't know. I think the majority of people watching, oh, I don't know, maybe I'm underestimating like. People that pick up a random James Gunn movie and see a dance moment are like, oh, this is fun, rather than going, oh, he does this every time. You know, like, people aren't necessarily following filmmakers the way that you and I are, but um, I hear what you're saying. They're taking a big swing, and if it works, it fucking works. Um, But, like, this character, like, Brie, I I think she's great. I really do think she's great. I think she's really good at the action. I do like her. I I like the first one. I like the first film. I've seen... You remember that interview where somebody goes, how long do you think you'll play Captain Marvel? And she's at the line going, I don't know. I don't know. Does anybody even want it? I don't know. Like, like she's got a sense of humor that is... Because I do think there's a degree of that's tongue-in-cheek, but maybe maybe there's yep. an element of like her... like There's definitely a bit of sort of... What? Dour sense of humor in her that like wants to say the sort of unpopular or necessarily uncomfortable thing in the moment because she finds it funny but like it doesn't it doesn't help it doesn't help to make me go to make me go into this thinking she's kind of doing this under duress because she th- doesn't think people like it um, and she doesn't want to keep doing this it's like did you ever want to do this then um, or were you just doing it because it's the big franchise film that pays the most um, I really that's like not the her. impression I get I, don't, I know I know I think there's a little bit of like she's kind of irritated that it wasn't received well and it wasn't received well by what we call just the usual dorks you know um, and that that's become the narrative around Dick this character shits. is frustrating because that movie's fun that movie is good fun mm-hmm. and um, I, I'm looking forward to this I think they upped the game with the costume I hope they don't walk that back um, I enjoyed Miss Marvel. We talked about that, but we just said that like it would have been so much fun if it was just a local area thing rather than getting into like why is there a world threatening villain um, from another dimension? Like it could have been so much fun if it was just her. Um, Especially when they went nowhere with it and they didn't know where they were going, and they threw it away like halfway through. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even in this, like them changing places when you know they use their powers, it's just. Why? Why? Yeah. 
it's just a it seems like it's it's gimmick i guess but yeah yeah we have i don't know they're gonna have to really explain to us and i mean maybe they will they're gonna have to really explain to me why their power sets are somehow intrinsically linked because one of them's coming from um encountering the scarlet witch one of them's coming from encountering ancient technology and one of them's coming from Cree science did we have some suggestion that the bands that Kamala Khan has are associated with Cree? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I can't that, remember. That's something. Yeah, I think I found that out like sometime last year, and I might have said, but I've forgotten. <laughs> okay. But like, like the thing is, the the shot I sent you there of the costumes, mm. like of the three of them in that one shot where mm. they've got this kind of halo around them because they're on a green screen. Um. That screams reshoot because the film yeah. didn't work, you know? I mean, reshoots are normal because schedules and stuff. We need to go back and change this or that. But this just looks like, oh, my God. What we're we're not in the same room. Yeah. There's, like, yeah. I'm expecting it to bomb. Especially, like, it's it's seven months away. Uh, if you want anything to do well, you got to market the fuck out of it. You know, is there so they would want to, to be they made? they would want to start marketing this as. I mean, the film is whatever the film is. You've got seven months then to convince people that that costume's so good. Sorry, yeah, you've got seven months to convince people that like the film that you have and that you're about to release is something that people really want to see and they'll enjoy. So now is the time to start sowing the seeds for, you know, this is a really cool out there, you know, we're doing quirky stuff with this and it's a lot of fun and just start sowing the seeds for that so people know what they're getting into rather than, you know, a couple of people on opening night going, man, there's a fucking musical number in the film. Are we, are we slowly fading Brie to the background there? Like, is she phasing out? Like she's the smallest featured. I kind of expected them to do that anyway because, you know, with X Men on the way and stuff like that, mm. I thought that'd be a. I don't know. I don't know. Ah, look. I don't know. Um, did you see the Star Wars Visions trailer? Yeah, it's great. Looks great. I didn't realize Ardman were doing super. it, but that makes perfect sense. Um, mm-hmm. You can spot a cartoon saloon short from. <laughs> a mile away they brought out some of the uh, the old uh, Brendan and the Secret of Kells styling mm-hmm. guy in a robe um, it looks fun I can't wait is I Brendan was... Gleeson going to be in it <laughs> oh, I'd love it um, it would be funny eh? you got hooks um, yeah. like Donal in the other one um, yeah <sighs> that's May the 4th because May the 4th Ooh. be with you um, so that's coming up. I was only just watching one or two of the Star Wars Visions shorts back. Um, they're fun. I like them. Uh, they released the final trailer for Tears of the Kingdom. Okay. I am on board. Oh, it, it sold you, <laughs> did it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that didn't take long. Between one episode well, and the next, w- you were I like... I knew they would. Right. I think I even said that, you know. So what's different in this trailer that sold you? I haven't seen it. Um, bu- 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 bum. I guess one of my biggest problems with the first game 
is that like a lot of the story is told in flashbacks. Okay. Um, the world is kind of sparse, but it suits it suits the game for like at the first two thirds because you're waking up in a post apocalyptic kind of world and you're surviving and you're amnesiac and it it kind of makes sense for a while for it to be light on story, but then by the end, I was just kind of hoping there'd be a bit more of the franchise mainstays, you know. It's like, oh, that this never happened or that never happened. And you know, I was kind of hoping to see this or that version. Um, so one, the trailer kind of shows that, yeah, those things that maybe you'd expect from the Zelda franchise that weren't in the first game, they're in this now. Mm-hmm. To what extent, I don't know. It could be disappointing when I actually play it, but um, it looks like it's fleshed out more in that sense. Okay. And then the other thing, like I said, I'm not really... I know the the kind of building crafting mechanic is probably going to be really robust and great, but it's it wouldn't be a selling point kind of for me. Um, it's set in the same world, which is kind of one of the best open worlds I've kind of played in. Uh, but now there's this kind of sky element. Okay. But from what we'd seen so far, they looked just like um, it just looked like a, a kind of a a flat terrain just above, you know, in the sky. Right. As opposed to being like this whole other thing uh, superimposed over the map you're already playing on. So kind of what we'd seen so far was just like just a bunch of flat rocks with trees and stuff. Whereas now it looks like, no, there's a whole map that is every bit as expansive as the world below. It's just now, it's above you. Okay. Um, so like there's there's kind of there's verticality to the, those islands as well. You know, it's not just these flat pieces of of rock. There's there's buildings and structures, and it look it looks like there's an entire other world above the world that you've already played in. Cool. And there's an un- underground element as well to it, and it just looks it looks like they've more really complete, more holistic. On, yeah. 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 So that's great. Yeah. So it's it's a great trailer. It's a really good trailer. You should watch it. Um, cool. Like a lot of it won't mean much to you, but there's just there's cool stuff in there. There's um they've put a lot of emphasis. Like one of the one of the, you know best things about the first game is not just the climbing, but the the hang glider you have. Yes, yeah. So like any 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 kind of exploration you do, you go okay. Well, if I if I don't know where I'm going or how to get over there, I can at least glide over yeah. to it. And so now you've got this whole other. Like I said, verticality. You've got this map superimposed on the the world map you've already played in. Um, but like one of the one of the kind of armor sets you can get, it's a um, it's a wingsuit. Oh, cool! It just looks it's looks cool. fun. It's like, yeah. that's that looks fun. Um, I was saying like some of the weapon crafting and stuff that they have looks kind of goofy. Um, some of the machine building stuff looks kind of silly. But there's there's a shot in the trailer, and it's it's still very silly, but. I just it just kind of made me laugh. It's just like I've seen people say like I'm going to build a fucking mech or a Gundam in this, <laughs> and it showed a hint of how you might do oh, that. It's okay. basic. It's basically a concrete slab, yeah, a big concrete pillar with four wheels in it, and then they've attached a little arm to the side of it for with the weapon. It looks dumb, but it made me laugh as opposed to like the other stuff. I was like, that looks kind of shitty. Whereas yeah. this was like, and it, it's going up against. Uh, an enemy that has built a fortress on a moving rock thing. Right. And just the fact that 
that's a possible thing Solution. to do in the game was just kind of appreciate the the humor and the the range of options in that so it looks cool um yep looks good looks great i've got my like i mean i'd, I'd pre-ordered my copy back in february anyway like i said i was i was always going to play it um i was never disappointed by anything i'd seen it just i i wasn't yet hyped for it which i which was strange like people have even said like they did a gameplay reveal two weeks ago or whatever it was 10 minutes of gameplay and a lot of people were saying they should have shown this trailer first it's mm. like the game is a month away and you know for three four years people had no idea what the game was yeah was so much speculation and ambiguity it's like people should have been this hyped for it months ago not a month before release you know it's a it's an odd strategy so let's see how that works out hmm I have no, yeah, I have nothing else to than like talking through all the shit I'm doing here, and I think that'll get tiring for people. So I'll. Uh, I don't think so. I'll. Uh, it's a travel blog. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, first open mic this week was a place called Redline VR. It's a bar that does VR, which was kind of cool, weird, like ten by ten cubes of like a driving range, with just people in there doing VR. So it was like kind of quiet. Um, cat in the theater which was kind of fun there was a little theater space but there were two cats that were like upstaging people by just walking around the audience <laughs> was distracted um uh cole's little dive bar near here um was fun thursday was shubas place called shubas again bucket this was a bucket mic i was the fifth or sixth white guy comedian in a black t-shirt to go up um, so so by the time i went up i just like I don't know how well my act went, but like I half abandoned the first, you've got four minutes and I like, gave over the first 90 seconds to like, okay, let's do the white guy checklist. Uh, I don't always flush the toilet. I flush it every third time. Uh, the the top of my stove top is filthy. I did see two girls, one cup. It uh, ruined my relationship with soft serve ice cream. Uh, like I just took a bunch of shit that had been said through the night and like checklisted it. I don't know. I think everybody who I had, everybody who I was checking and I wasn't, it's not, checking sounds wrong, but everybody yeah, yeah, who I was sort yeah. of like calling back to had already left because I didn't want to, I don't necessarily want to be undermining anybody's material. Um, mm-hmm. There was one comedian there who was like, I spoke to her the next day as well. And she's just like, I'm sick to fuck of hearing about white guys and their the impossible challenge of figuring out sex with a woman. And it's like, it's fair. Um, you know, you do hear same concepts over and over again. Um I don't have that material, I don't think. Again, I focus on, you know, the comedy of history. Um, <laughs> um, and then I was talking to her again last night at the the VFW on the Power Hour thing. Uh, I got to go buy uh, burgers and chicken and hot dogs. And uh, um, I think Kat said she might provide a little um, review of Dungeons and & Dragons. And uh, we might edit that in at the end. All right, so long-time listener of the podcast, Catherine Friend, sent through a review for the Dungeons & Dragons film. Here we go. Delighted a fun film came out based on D&D, rolling on the craze from Stranger Things and Critical Role. I do think there were missed opportunities to mention more races and classes. Perhaps they wanted to avoid clunky exposition. But I was left wondering who and what each character was. Most of the characters were human or half-human. 
Missed opportunity there too. Genuinely got excited thinking Jonathan character would play a role in it. Yeah, he was a fun character cat. Big bird man creature. Um, a lot of practical SFX when in him. The story was fun. I was surprised at how seriously the film took itself. Either it was comedy that didn't land and they tried to pivot to drama or vice versa. This was a problem with the script and poor chemistry between some characters. Seriously, the bard and his daughter, absolutely bizarre. It was difficult to understand some relationships within the group. Lastly, Simon's character was only one with a personal journey. The rest vaguely bobbed about. A solid, fun film. Personally, give it a 6.5 out of 10, but happy to stretch to 7 because of peer pressure. 7 out of 10, solid. Um, there's a wide variety of races and classes mentioned in the film. Um, we do encounter cat people and, and shapeshifters and uh, various animal sorts. Um, I guess what you're saying is you would have liked to have seen you know one of those types more clearly on the team or on the squad running about. Um, the There was a wizard, there was a bard, there was a barbarian, there was... Um, uh, I don't know what she was. She was a tiefling, a shapeshifter character. Um, but yeah, like she had horns, but like the tail wasn't particularly clear. I think there's an element here of, of expectation. Um, you know, I, I went in knowing exactly what I was going to get. Uh, and it, it's a comedy drama. The comedy is solid. The drama is solid. There's some interesting stuff happening. Maybe there's a little bit of alienation between a child actor and an adult actor. Um, but like, I also think the, the, the girl that played Chris Pine's daughter did a great job. So, um, I'm not entirely, we're not on the same page, but we're agreeing to disagree on this one, Cat. Cod's wallop. Cod's wallop.